Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites wanted to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. Just the other day, I was thinking about how, man, August is crazy. I want to go to the Dodgers and the Phillies at Dodger Stadium. I want to go to FYF Fest. I got to get figure out, like, what are the best seats? Well, I don't want to spend uh, an arm and a leg to do it. I just downloaded the SeatGeek app onto my phone, and I used it. It's so simple. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. With SeatGeek, you'll never need to waste time checking prices on other ticket sites. SeatGeek does that for you. They pull in all the tickets available from other sites into one place, so you save time and never miss a deal. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's the cool thing. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, listeners to The Watch get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the free SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code. Enter the promo code WATCH. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code WATCH today. Want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Roan Apparel. Roan makes stylish activewear from innovative and custom fabrics built specifically for men. They use fabrics, innovative fabrics, such as silver tech, which involves melting down pure silver and weaving it into a yarn. This sounds like something that should be on Game of Thrones, but it's not. It's something that you can wear. Silver is both antimicrobial and anti-stink, so your gym clothes will no longer smell. GQ Magazine, in their article, The Truth About Anti-Stink Gym Gear, ranked Roan's products number one, beating out premium competitors such as Lululemon, and the New York post dubbed it activewear fit for superman personally i got that towel three-quarter zip up hoodie tate is always ogling me like where do you get the swag and i'm like roan to check out their brand new collections visit roan.com slash bspn that's r-h-o-n-e.com and right now they are offering the watch listeners an inside deal for 15% off your first order with the code BSPN on Roan.com slash BSPN. Once again, that's R-H-O-N-E.com and the code is BSPN. Roan, made for men, fit for kings. I need sports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan and I am an editor on TheRinger.com and joining me on the other line... He let the dogs out. It's Andy Greenwald! Hey, buddy. Hey, you know, I'm uh, I'm on a beach right now, but thanks for including me. Yeah, always a pleasure. Andy, I'm here with Mallory Rubin in our in our studio here in a, an oven-like Los Angeles. Although hey, guys. It's, it's nice here. How's it going, Mal? Uh, it's toasty. Toasty, but but great. We've only got a limited time of Andy G today, so we want to get... Uh, <laughs> Chris, Chris I, I just want to paint the picture. I'm living my life out here like a late period Jay Z song. You understand that? Like this is King, like, I, I'm Kingdom Come. Collaborating on, this, my, my my segment of this podcast is a collaboration with Chris Martin. I just want you to know that. Yeah, I like I like where you're going with this, Andy. We wanted to talk a little bit about last night's Thrones, and then before you go, we'll get a little bit of a take on the finale coming up after after everything, after everybody's reaction, after seeing it. Any any new thoughts that you didn't share with folks on after the Thrones? Um, I think my thoughts remain pretty much the same. I mean, I was looking at people's reaction to it, and it was interesting because I feel like we said on the show that. Um, 
what was one of the more striking aspects of the Battle of the Bastards was that all of the chess pieces pretty much moved through the board the way we would have expected. Like they ended, not they didn't move through the board. That's exactly what I don't mean. I mean they ended up kind of moved, <laughs> right? Like the people who survived survived. The people who died, we kind of were afraid they were going to die. But I'm still struck by how it just engagingly everything went in the chess game, so to speak. Like I, it was riveting. It was incredible filmmaking, and I think it's very very hard to pull off a story that complicated at that level of skill, but one in which you kind of you kind of know there's going to be a happy ending. I mean, I, I deeply, I mean, I, I don't think they were going to kill Jon Snow again two years in a row. I feel like that 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 one that ship has sailed. So, so I I enjoyed it. You know, I think it was pretty incredible stuff, and it's fun. And the show can do that, and it can do other stuff so, too. And I'm looking forward to somewhere seeing it Benny Off and Weiss are like challenge accepted. Now, <laughs> <laughs> did your feelings change at all after last night? I mean, I felt immensely satisfied in a way that I, I maybe never had watching an episode of Game of Thrones. I mean, it's always thrilling and riveting, but you're never, like, happy at the end, necessarily. And so it was a new sensation. I mean, I think if you compare it to, you know, if you say this is like a top five all-time episode, you're putting it up there alongside the Reigns of Castamere and, and Baylor and Hardhome and these other episodes that are grand in scale and shocking in some way, but they're shocking and grand because something awful happens to someone we care about mm-hmm. deeply. Yeah. So it was it was it was a really You didn't mention the one where the actor shows his penis warts. Well, that's just that's my personal favorite, obviously, <laughs> but not necessarily top five. I, I, I agree with Mal here because and this is something that that, that Jason Jason said. Oh, you agree with Mal. Why don't I just leave then? Uh, there's the door, buddy. Oh, you're, you, Andy and I are good. Are we you got still, this from are here. You, are you still here? I didn't realize. I thought you were just sort of like lighting the lighting the candle and then stepping out, um, like Santa in the tower. Um, <laughs> no, this is this is something our, our maester said, and I think maybe we'll talk about it since we'll have him back for our after the throne finale this week. But um, look, there's nothing necessarily wrong with fan service. Like it's okay that things can work out in our favor sometimes. It's generally how storytelling works, and what's been so interesting about this whole. I don't even know what to call it, because it's not just a show, it's not just a book, but this, this narrative universe that George R. R. Martin started and Benioff and Weiss are very definitively finishing, is that for all of the, the, the nudges and nods in the direction of we're not going to give you the stereotypical happy ending, um, we're not going to do fan service, it's not going to end the way you expect, he still put in play these pieces that set up something that is ultimately kind of conventional. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. You know, talking about like Campbell, hero myth stuff, we are still on that track. Yeah. And all of these past seasons have been fainting in different directions and showing us, you know, basically the last five seasons have basically been a slate, a slate article of like, okay, well, what if he didn't win? And we saw what would happen if he didn't win, but we're still headed in a place where the pieces that were left on the board, Daenerys and her dragon, Tyrion cracking wise and cracking bottles of wine, um, Jon Snow not being able to be killed anymore, um, one big evil ice zombie in the north, we're headed towards something that the most satisfying conclusion ultimately might be the one we kind of were expecting all along. And that's not a bad thing. But I think it's interesting, especially as people who are book fans are getting the vibe that, that Martin never wanted to do these sort of things. And, you know, but I, my feeling, and Mallory, you can jump in on this because I don't know if Chris is still there after this monologue, but <laughs> maybe that's one of the reasons why he's having trouble finishing these books is because what if the only ending left for him to tell is a happy ending and he sort of had set up his whole story as being against that? I think it's, it's such a good point. It's such an interesting thing to talk about. Oh, we said interesting. Drink. Um If you think about other stories, whether it's a TV show, a literary series, where this sort of fan community sprung up around the source material, whether it was Harry Potter or Lost, like, 
any possible outcome some fan somewhere had suggested, had floated, had put out there, like all possibilities had occurred to the bulk of people by the time they happen. It's just that with this particular story, people have been speculating for so long. So long, two decades at this point since since Martin began writing the books that I think we have literally run out of new ideas. Yeah. And so there's something maybe that, that like there, there's a sense of like maybe this is inevitably going to fall the jo- a little It's the flat. joke about like monkeys typing. Eventually they'll write Hamlet if you if they do it for long enough. Like that's what we've done with Reddit, right? Like we've, exactly. they, we've, we've been speculating long enough about what all these different uh, – permutations of outcomes and destinies that eventually we're going to start to the the pie shrinks right right and it it doesn't make it dissatisfying i think there is some element of like well if i a mere mortal could have stumbled upon this potential outcome it can't be like the genius that i expect from from you but uh i I hope that we can sort of like we're now in the period as a fan community where we're like oh maybe it's a, a little bit of a shame that we've sort of been able to piece this all together and that we can then pivot back to saying oh it's so satisfying to finally yeah, and Andy, I know that you've got to go, so I wanted to I wanted to sort of pivot towards the finale by asking you a question. But oh, wait! Before you do, I do want to just jump in. I think what Mallory's saying is really right because I feel like as, as much of a problem that people have with this idea of fan service, being willfully obscure is really worse. I think you know. I mean, just because an answer seems set up, that means maybe you set it up well, and it's okay mm-hmm. to, to to pull the trigger and give people what they want. You know, I think this thing with you know when Uncle Benjamin came back on the show, those of us who haven't read the books were like. Oh, okay. Well, the show's been teasing him. It makes sense that he would come back. He's playing a role helping his family. That makes sense. And then we find out from Mallory and, and, and Jason and other people who are very into the books that this character that he's playing, that Benjamin character, is, has not yet revealed to be Benjamin in the books. And George R. R. Martin has apparently said he will never reveal it to be Benjamin. Yeah. But the freedom that Benioff and Weiss have is to say, of course it's Benjamin. That makes sense. And let's not tie a knot here when we don't need another knot here. Yeah. And well, the thing is, is that we're talking here about this. Idea, we're almost talking as if Game of Thrones ended and it was a happy ending. But I, I beg to differ. Right. I, uh, I think that we very well uh, there was a there was a moment in the scenes from next week that they put up where John says we have to trust each other and kisses Sansa on the forehead. And we had this long conversation on After the Thrones about Sansa's like secret call to the bullpen, uh, you know, bringing in Eckersley out of the stadium and into the game uh, in the form of Littlefinger, that there still could be some dissent within the not like only by sort of name Stark family and that uh, we still have a lot of stuff to settle in King's Landing. And interestingly enough, in those scenes from next week, it looked like Jamie was hanging out in the twins. So his I need to get back to King's Landing no matter what, at least in by the preview doesn't look like it's immediately happening. Uh, this was a very finale-esque episode. But Andy, what are you looking for in the finale in next week's episode? I'm glad you mentioned the Sansa thing, because that was the other big thing hanging over this episode. And, and we talked about it on After the Thrones. But, and then since then, other people, um, other critics, I saw Jim Panawasik at the time talking about this too, and he's a book reader as well, you know, and sort of parsing what the possible reasons why she didn't tell him were. And, and some of them actually gave Sansa even more, like, um, little fingery credit, basically being like, she didn't say anything because she wanted to maximize her chance of winning. So she wanted Ramsey drawn out and she wanted him, you know, she just, she was willing to sacrifice John and all these other dudes fighting for John just to get her one objective if everything broke correctly, which is pretty dark, but also very, very plausible. But I, I just think that it's worth staying on that point, And you mentioned the right line from the, the scenes from next week episode with John, which is to say that for as much as people are flipping out over this episode, 
it's still another episode. Like all the things, and you know, and I feel like I fell prey to this last year when we when I was writing about every episode, and it's natural to to recover every episode as a complete finished statement. But Game of Thrones doesn't work like that. Yeah. Sometimes I wish it did, but it doesn't. I I personally and don't remember it, what happened after Hard Home in a weird way. You know. <laughs> That's right, because we just were so hung up on that. It's but, like hard home, but, and then LeBron's <laughs> block, and then everything in between is kind of a blur. <laughs> both, both, both of them involving defeating the dead, like in a way that seems totally supernatural and impossible. Um, but, but with the Sansa thing, like, of course we don't know what, why she did that, and of course it wasn't purely good or purely bad. That story isn't finished yet, and it, you know this is the show we've been watching. There are going to be ramifications, and one of the interesting things I think that the show does is misdirect is misdirection. And we were as much as anyone, like when Sansa and John were reunited, we just, we were cavelling on after the thrones being like, Oh, what, how meaningful that these Starks reunited again after all this time. And how rare it is to see this, these people together. But, you know, I think Mallory was right in the forefront of pointing this out, that these characters never really got along. Yeah. And so that might they, be, they pointed it out. They were problem. like, Oh, I'm sorry. I was a dick. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so aloof. You know, like they were, they, they are aware of their own frailty as a, as a, as a duo. Yeah, and their own history. That's right. And and if there's one thing the show has taught us, particularly in the end games of seasons, is that the the, the fatal blow is often going to come from close by, whether it's the Brothers of the Night's Watch or whether it's Tyrion shooting his dad in the crapper. Like, and I'm not saying these characters are going to kill each other, but there is some there's that tension is just as interesting as as you know tensions between you know the the, the slaver the, the the great masters of Young Kai and and Grey Worm and Marine. Before you go, I wanted to ask you on the sort of macro tv level you have to respect the heat check by betty off and weiss that they're like yeah john snow's gonna fight like um, an army by himself with a giant and then next week a trial <laughs> you know like a trial in the sept yeah. how about that <laughs> yeah yeah look we we were joking about this right like didn't were we joking when we watched um this episode when we watched battle of the bastards we were like that's why the high sparrow has been in the same room for eight weeks yeah like you gotta switch it up i mean you can't we got that horse budget <laughs> but seriously like you can't it, i always find it interesting when people are 24 7 obsessives over tv shows but ignore large swaths of it that don't fit the narrative and like if you're going to be watching the show and parsing every single detail of the plot of the storyline of the writing of the acting you kind of have to then consider the budget too Right, so when people are like, "Oh, this was a weak episode. This show is really going down the tube," they have to move the money around, you know. And I don't mean like in a Cayman Islands sense. Like for me, the production of the show is often as interesting as what's actually produced. Yeah. All right, man. Well, you go Wait, back. So I want to hear before I go. I want to hear. I got to hear. What, what is Mallory, Mallory? What are you thinking about for the finale? Where, where's your head at? Do you have another hour and a half, or do you want me just? To, should I just? Uh, should I just send you a a, a letter, a pink letter about my my thoughts? Send me, send me send send me a pink letter. Flay Tate just a little bit, and then write the thoughts on it. Just just a little bit. Tate's young; his skin is pliant. It'll bounce back. God, I. Uh... I, I'm looking forward to chatting a little bit more about Varys and what he might be up to, and also the uh, oh, yeah. the, the the Mad Queen theory that we've discussed, and uh, how Wildfire might come into play. Those are the big things that I'm wondering about, and also where's Wildfire? Bran? You say what's Bran up to? I also want to know where do where do uh, Yara and Daenerys go on their first date? <laughs> <laughs> right to bed. Yeah, I mean, those two operate. <laughs> All right, you guys. Like I know. Uh, wait, Chris. I know we're gonna be, we're gonna do another reup this week when I'm out there. We have a big supersized After the Thrones finale that we're gonna tape this week. You guys are gonna keep talking. I assume about the detour on TBS and the new YG album. Yes. Unless Chris decides to save those for Thursday. Yeah. But I have to. Mallory ask loves to twist my fingers. Just like. <laughs> 
She does, I figure that's her jam. What about what about F Donald Trump? Like that's, that's an anthem ready to start popping off too. But you guys, I, I have to ask you, like big picture. I know we're talking about the time between episode nine and ten of Game of Thrones, but between episode nine and ten of After the Throne. How many vermin do you think are eating the potato flakes in our studio right now? Like, I was really glad on the, on the rewatch, I noticed that it was snowing behind Sansa. So I was like, thank God it actually snowed, because otherwise all those potatoes would have died in vain. <laughs> really, yeah, pour a little out for those potatoes. That was a real, a real mass, mass casualty event this week. I want that to be like a sixth yeah, I, grade I, science experiment where we just leave them and see what they grow yeah. into. If anyone serves you mashed potatoes at our wrap party, definitely do not eat them. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, rap party. That would be amazing. I, I'm, I'm all in on that. Chris, did you did your school participate in the Philadelphia area mold symposium? Yes. Yeah. What? I think I might have yeah, cheated. We, I don't know if any other. I I I had a tendency to uh, do my work at the last minute at that age. And when I say Sounds that age, familiar. I mean up, up through college. And uh, you can up through the ringer.com, sure. I think I might have like gone to the mold store and been like, I need, I need to bring in a ringer. Like, I, I, Just, this is, no, but this is, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go after this, but there was a thing. I'm curious if any Philadelphia listeners can say this is still a thing, but like it was an elementary school science thing across schools called the mold symposium where you do a controlled experiment and you would like talk about it with kids from other schools. It's true. And my experiment. Isn't it incredible way, that anybody from wrong... Philadelphia is alive that That's we were like, insane. let's expose you to spores <laughs> on a massive level. Chris. Chris, don't you think I really should not have stayed in the humanities? Because my experiment was, I'm going to take two jars. I'm going to put a piece of bread in both jars. In one jar, I'm going to pour water. In the other jar, I'm going to pour whole milk. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder which one will grow mold. And I, dude, I thought I was fucking, I thought I was Mary Curie. I thought I was really, really figuring something out. Um, uh, so all right. All right, Dr. House. Stay in school, kids. Stay go, in school. Go throw a wet towel on it, and uh, we'll talk to you this week. <laughs> See you guys in a couple days. Bye. Let's take a quick break to talk about the black tux. The problem with wearing a rental tuxedo is that it looks like a rental tuxedo, man. And everybody knows it. What if there was a way to get quality crafted Italian wool suits and tuxedos rented to you online? The black tux was created for guys like you who deserve quality crafted Italian threads along with a knowledgeable customer service core. And the best part of it, it's hassle free, all done online. So what is the black tux? It's tuxedo rentals finally made easy. To get started, visit theblacktux.com and select from complete looks or build your own. The prices start at 95 bucks. The Black Tux designs and manufactures quality crafted Italian wool suits and tuxedos for rent entirely online. Questions about fitting? Their top-notch customer service team is always on hand to lend assistance. After you've ordered, your suit will arrive seven days before your event, which leaves plenty of time to try it on. And if the fit needs a tweak, the Black Tux will do whatever it takes to fix it in time. When your event's over, just ship the tux back in the box it came from for free. It's that easy. Visit theblacktux.com slash BSPN and experience a new way to rent. Theblacktux.com slash BSPN. Also want to talk about Harry's. Stop compromising on your shave and get started with Harry's. For far too long, you've had either paid too much for a comfortable shave or you've settled for a low-priced but low-quality razor. Harry's offers something you've never had before, a great shave at a fair price. Harry's makes its own high-quality razors, cuts out the middleman, and ships them directly to you for half the price of the leading brand. Good shave, good price, it's simple. You get the best of both with Harry's. Harry's is the only shaving company that has amazing quality and low prices. Harry's makes just one razor with all you need for a close, comfortable shave. Five German-crafted blades, flex hinge, and lubricating strip. Quality 
fully guaranteed. Full refund if you're not happy. Let me tell you about Harry's. I gotta say, like, I this has always been a pet peeve of mine. It never seemed like razors should cost this much money. It's like I, when you go to the right store and you're like, I gotta get some replacement razors, and it's like twenty four dollars. I can buy a double. I can buy a Tupac CD for twenty four dollars. A double CD, and I don't even buy CDs anymore. But I would rather buy a Tupac CD than spend all my money on razors. Harry's will let you buy more Tupac. Okay, Harry's is here with those factory direct prices that cut out the middleman. There's no upcharges at half the price of the leading brand. The Harry's starter set, which is called the Truman, is a great option for new customers, and it's an amazing deal. For just $15, you get the razor handle, which is a very like nice, comfortable razor handle, by the way, moisturizing shaving cream, uh, and three of Harry's five-blade German-engineered razors. Those things will, will get, get down there. Plus, there's a special offer for fans of the watch. Harry's will give you $5 off your first purchase with promo code WATCH. Go to harrys.com right now and look for the Truman set. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Enter the code WATCH at checkout. get $5 off and help support our show. Stop compromising. Give Harry's a try today. I wanted to ask you a a question. I'm probably going to ask you this on After the Thrones anyway, but it's going to be... by this point, we'll, by that point, we'll know, you mm-hmm. know. So I want you to, if you could just help me out. Sure. With this trial that's obviously coming next week with the trial, but Cersei's trial and and it's uh, Loras' trial. Yeah. What are they on trial for? I, I, I'm, I'm actually like, I'm, I want you, I, I kind of know, but I would think it's like a useful, like, can we just reset the stage? Because I think that in the show, they were going so hard towards, it's going to be trial by combat, so we're never going to have to worry about this. And now I kind of feel like there's like some procedural things going on. But I, I, I for for our listeners, from people who might be more casual listeners, what is going on there? Right. So essentially, the High Sparrow needed to get these two powerful families out of the way, and his path to doing that was to to find. Um, legal loopholes that he could right. exploit so Sins, for, for basically. right yeah. exactly so for loris uh distressingly and unfortunately it's the fact that he's gay right and olivar who was one of the uh aides at, at little fingers brothel yeah. and who had, had basically been having an affair with loris he ratted him out so loris denied these charges of i believe the term they use on the show is, is buggery mm-hmm. And Oliver came in and ratted him out. Marjorie had defended Loris and said that he had not actually committed these transgressions. And so that that was what she, she went in for perjury, basically, for lying okay. to cover Loris. Cersei, in a, a side chat with the High Sparrow, he actually does bring up the charge of... Incest. incest with Jamie specifically. I don't know if he ever says Jamie's name, but he does bring up the fact that her children might be bastards and illegitimate claimants and so we know that he knows about the the rumors about their parentage but specifically lancel is the thing that she is actually there for because lancel ratted her out he was like yeah we had sex and lancel is her cousin but he has she had sex with lancel when she was with joffrey is what the implication there when is? she was still married to robert robert oh okay. yes and and Lancel, as we know, was also the one who gave Robert the skin of wine that he was drinking right. before he got gouged by the boar. So the, does he just take that like, is he just like if I hadn't given him the wine, he would have gotten the he would have been faster on his feet? Or was there something in the wine that drugged him? You know, on the on the show, 
I think that's always been open to interpretation whether there was because obviously poison has come into play many different times in the series whether there was actually basically the wine was spiked or whether it was a just uh, you know uh, very kind of the the king's squire to make sure that he never lacked refreshment I sure. believe that's the way it's, it's phrased sure. in season one so just that he was tipsy enough um so essentially when the high sparrow confronts her before she does her walk of atonement she denies the jamie charge because she needs to protect her children but she does fess up to fornication and the adulterous relationship with lancel right because she's no like choice because yeah. he had already ratted her she's out. making a trade-off exactly who does cersei have defending her at this point like there's no daniel caffey who's coming to defend her against <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, like, I mean, the only people who are truly on her side at this point are Kyburn, the Franken Mountain, and you know, in theory, Jamie. But as you noted, based on the the preview for the finale, he's not James actually going to arrive in time. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, book readers will will know. Well, first of all, the charges against all of the people that we just went through vastly more complicated and layered in the book. There are nu- numerous other people who have slept with these people, gotcha. which is also part of it. Um, but. Jamie at this point in the books is pissed at Cersei. Right. He's like, she's like, come back and help me, and he's basically like, nah, because he feels betrayed. You know, there's was what's one of the, one of his like identifying uh, self identifications is that he is weirdly more honorable than someone like Ned, who of course in this uh, the, the right. canon at this point right. has a bastard. Because, and we've talked about that before with Jamie saying like, no, I want to win clean. Right. Like, yeah. Exactly. And he's like, I've only ever slept with Cersei. She's right. the only woman I've been with. So weirdly, like that's my own sort of code, my own sort of honor. And he, when he finds out that she has slept with somebody else in the he gets books, mad. he's devastated. So he's not actually like rushing back to help oh. her. I don't know, man. I know. I know that would cut you to the core. Okay, so that's what we've got going on in King's Landing. And then it looks like we have to, I mean, we also have to put bows on. What are the, what are some of the outstanding things we have to put bows on? First of all, where the hell is Bran? Right. And what is he going to be? Is he still on a solo mission? Or is he going to be reunited with his family? Go somewhere else that we don't know about yet? Um, Brienne is out on the road, presumably on her way to Sansa. Right. Uh, Melisandre and Davos seem like they have unfinished business. I'd say so. What am I forgetting? Varys is, is MIA, or at least on a trip that we don't know about. Yeah, I think we'll be looking to find out more about Littlefinger's motivations, so though I think we can all guess what they are. Uh, on the one hand, he, he wants power, right? There's, yep. there's the great line from an earlier season where uh, I, I believe it's Varys says like he'd, he'd burn the the kingdom to the ground if he could be king of the ashes yeah right. and that has never changed uh but he also is in love with sansa yes like he and loved her mother we and don't know her. how truly sorry he is or whether or not this is all part of a larger plan right sure and I whether mean, he feels feels like he's brought the army for sansa he can he can manipulate her right i'm the warden of the east you could be the warden of the north let's let's unite these these two right. of these seven kingdoms right right and I've protected you before I can protect you again. That's right. the case he could potentially make. I think that, you know, we were starting to debate on After the Thrones whether there's going to be tension between Sansa and Jon, not only because of the the why didn't you tell me you had these other troops element, but is there going to be a power struggle? I think we I think Well, we I think that agreed. you could argue that they, as much as a power struggle, it'll be a, a, an attention struggle because Jon's obviously going to be looking north because he knows what's up there. And she's going to be looking south because if she's on a vengeance run here... right. The, the obvious people who sh- who's next on her kill list are south, are right. in the south. Right, and I, I think that that is probably why John is not going to fight very hard for 
control of Winterfell because mm-hmm. it's just not important to him. He's focused on the, the 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 larger stakes and the looming battle yet to come. Bran is one person who might come in and affect this power dynamic, as you just noted. The other person is Arya. Like, not because she'd have a better claim than Bran, but just because of what those relationships are like for those siblings. Arya in, in one of Yara's go-fast boats, like, <laughs> zipping past on the waves, like, I'm here! Exactly. I got here! Record time! Exactly. I'm I'm still refusing to let go of my dream of Arya somehow being the one who takes out Walter Frey. I just want it desperately. Um, you know, I, I think the big mysteries at this point are Varys and how does Cersei save herself? Mm-hmm. Like, those are the two questions sort of hanging over the finale in my mind. I, I think that there's the obvious, like, will Danny finally get on the boats question? But that just sort of seems like a when, not if thing at this yeah, point. Though I guess spring that's training been true today. for a while. Yeah. yeah, I know. She's, she's you know, pitch count's becoming a problem. She's, she's got to get on the mound. Um, do you think that there's a chance? Let me float a theory to you. Sure. Varys. We think that he's off looking for support. He's a merman, support. yes. <laughs> That's, That's my strong, favorite theory. Strong theory. He, when he left, when he parted ways with Tyrion, he basically what is that? said... Isn't that like he wants the dragons to melt the north so that the world is flooded and then he is like the merman king? Yeah. That's a good, that's a good that's, one. That's solid work. That's, what if, that would be dope if George R. R. Martin was like, yep. Great news for, for Euron. Maybe Varys <laughs> is the one who wants Euron's big cock after all that. Uh, boats for the water. Um, but way back in season two, when Tyrion was preparing for Blackwater, for Stannis, Varys started to hint at his own history, to hint at, it was a little while before we actually got the full reveal, but to hint at what had happened to him when he was, as he says, when, when I was cut. Yeah. And he essentially says, I can't imagine anything more dangerous than Stannis Baratheon sitting on the Iron Throne because he's his 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 best pal is a red priestess, mm-hmm. and there's nothing more dangerous. Yeah, in this you said, world and didn't he basically say magic. as much to Kinvara? Well, so that's the thing, right? Like, let's think back to that encounter with the flame of truth, Kinvara. How sort of haunted he appeared to be by what she was saying to him and the the undertones of their conversation. And then the next thing we know, he's bouncing. Well, she also says, "You better make sure you are being one, keeping it one hundred about being with Daenerys here, because." Varys seems to I think that there was a popular the popular opinion about Varys and correct me if I'm wrong is that or I mean he may have articulated this himself and I'm just forgetting is like to restore the Targaryen dynasty well or yes just and her. no he his line to Ned that I think is is the key is when Ned says who, who do you serve this is when Varys he wants him, a, he says, a better world the realm someone must right, right? so for a long time, that has seemed to align with restoring the Targaryen dynasty and putting Danny on the throne. But he's not necessarily just Team Targaryen. He's Team whatever is best for this universe. And maybe he doesn't think that's Danny anymore because she is now the the Red Priestesses are out there. The priests and priestesses are out there preaching for her. Preaching for her. And we know it's just established at this point that he thinks that is. He said there's nothing more dangerous than someone on the Iron yeah. Throne who has blood magic, you know, at his or her side. So why would he be supporting Danny? Maybe he left and said he was going to look for allies, but maybe he really is ditching that team. And is it a total coincidence that the Masters attacked the second he left? I don't know, man. I'm just saying. I have. It. There's something about him that feels very faceless, man. I mean, I know he's not obviously, but. 
I do wonder what else there is to Varys in terms of like he always seems to pop up at the right time. He's very unruffled by all of this, and he seems to exist outside of you know like just the way he's always got his hands mm-hmm. you know in his cloak and stuff. I don't. He's obviously not a merman, but there might be something. <laughs> I don't know. I, the, the, so the last the last thing I wanted to ask him, we'll wrap up here is I wanted to kind of get a sense of where your head is at as a book reader and as one of these people who have been reading these books for such a long time over and over again, who's invested so much in the history, who's now, you've now gone past the books with the show and whether you're, like where your head is at in terms of, you know, has the show changed your relationship? Has the show this season changed your relationship to your anticipation for the new book? And do you think that Martin should actually deviate from where Benioff and Weiss are going? I mean, obviously, they're probably all going to the same endpoint. Right. But what do you what do you been thinking about that recently? You know, it's it's difficult to sort of have like full mastery of my own feelings about it because I I do truly and deeply love the show. And so I think it would be different if. I had this just incredible affection and for an attachment to the books, and then the show was this like fun side gig, like the X Men movies or yeah, something. Yeah, but I I adore the show and I cherish it and I always have, and so it's not necessarily that I f- like I feel like I'm being cheated of something by finding out certain things on the show first. It's just like this is I- I'm trying as as best as I can to view them as connected but standalone experiences, mm-hmm. and I think that the depth of the the world like the the number of storylines and characters and plots in the books that just are not even on the Young show Griff, and never will Victorian, be yeah. yeah like there will always be something new and joyful to discover there even the things that are going to overlap yeah you know ramsey's gonna die in the book right does Sansa is Sansa going to be the one to kill him? Right. They're, they're not in the same place right now in the book. She is off doing something completely different in a different part of was the, the world. Was the experience of watching John come back or seeing the Battle of Winterfell things that haven't happened in the books yet? Because Red Wedding, all these other things you've watched, you're like, that's executing. That's an adaption of something that I already knew. Right. right. I remember. I, feel, I always think about No Country for Old Men with this because it's such a. It's the. It was the exact execution of the way you wanted that book to look like. The people, as soon as they announced the casting for that those parts, you were like, well, now I cannot see anyone else but these people when I'm reading this book. Right. And it was just perfect. It was a note-perfect adaptation. And then with this, you know, it's largely been pretty faithful to the books. I mean, I would say sex, 60, sex, 65, within reason, you know, it's more like leaving stuff out. But plot-wise, yeah. it's happened, right? That that might be a little high. That number. I think that that was true for the first couple seasons when it was the the first couple seasons were very faithful adaptations of the first couple books, and then starting with the splitting book three into seasons three and four, some stuff got stretched, some stuff got condensed, and then after that, it's it's really diverted in, in pretty notable ways. So how does that feel? I'm fine with it. Yeah. I mean, there are and occasionally the the trick that I've settled on is the second viewing because yeah. there's always that moment when you first see something and you're you really care and you're just like this is not right right and and that's not even that's not true necessarily what is right it's just it's not what i was expecting or bracing for and so it doesn't feel right and then once you know what you're getting 
you can watch it again and just enjoy it and view it and judge it on its own merits. This is how it always was with the Harry Potter movies. Like, I have spent... I have read the Harry Potter books more than I have done literally anything in my life. I don't care how insane that sounds. It's just true. Uh-huh. And watching those movies each time they came out, like I would go at midnight. I was so excited. I couldn't wait, even though I knew they were going to fucking gut me. Like I knew they were going to be huge letdowns and I right. would leave infuriated and then I would go back the next day and see it. And I would say, that was great. That was dope. That huh. was super fun. And so it's sort of the same. And now maybe the book occupies that role moving forward you know when i read winds of winter maybe there's going to be a moment where i'm like this isn't as good as Man, of winterfell when yeah, you like, watch john versus a hundred horses right is like jane you know fake aria like killing ramsey as exciting is 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 mance raider who's still kicking it in the books killing ramsey as exciting like are the people who are around him at this point in the story killing him as exciting as as the moment that we had with sansa last night Maybe not. Yeah. It just might not yeah. feel as right to use that word again. But I think that the nature of the book. Who knows is- what would have happened with these books, even if the show itself hadn't become such a huge conversation topic. A lot of people are saying that some of the stuff that's happening in the in the television season does feel like paying back some of the not the sins of the show, but the darkness that the show puts you through last season it's almost like redeeming itself. But who knows what would have happened in those stories if that had never happened. And I don't mean for the better. I mean, it could be for the better or for the worse. It's it's sort of... Yeah, free of judgment there. I think you're right, and I think the question you asked a few minutes ago that I didn't actually answer is like, should he, should George R. R. Martin adjust his? Like, what if he changes his mind? I mean, so so here's the thing. Like, I hope he doesn't. Right. I would hope that he writes the story that he's always intended to write. However, two things. One. This is not a guy who has figured everything out, mm-hmm. just clearly, and has never been that kind of kind of writer, I think. It's also not human nature to be able to just exist in a vacuum, right? It yeah. just isn't. So if he's seeing something play out on his screen and he's seeing how fans are reacting to it, like just because he once wrote in the margins of a manuscript, no, when his editor said, is this Benjamin Stark about cold hands? So now mean, he doesn't have to like die on that hill. Yeah, but it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't mean that he can't still make Cold Hands Benjamin. Right. Maybe he's like, wow, you know what? I never thought that made sense, but I see it and it's awesome. Sure. And I'm going to do it. Like, go ahead. Like, find your bliss, man. Write the story that you want to write. Right. I spent a couple years being like, dude, finish this story. Like, please, we're all waiting. And now I just feel bad for him. Like, it's. And again, that's not an anti-show stance because I love the show and I'm glad it's happening. I was thinking about but, this especially with John because I was thinking about what oh, it yeah. will look like when John's back in the book, assuming he is. But the amount of nuance you can do with a character who's come back from... That's essentially Kit Harrington. I mean, you can change the performance. You can modulate stuff. You, But he is based... They've decided to have him basically be a guy who lived and died and came back to life and is now the, still the same person. Right. So that is actually a perfect example of why I think people who care about the books will be able to enjoy them no yeah. matter what because the question that you asked on after the thrones this week of like is john you know less just like barrack said he's less we don't really know the show hasn't really answered yeah, that right. but the book will definitively yeah. and and with total clarity we will spend hundreds of pages inside his head coming to understand what his outlook on the world is. And so that will always be fulfilling. I can't wait for you to summarize it for me. (laughs) Uh, All right. That's all the time we have. Uh, Thank you so much to Mallory Rubin for joining us this week on The Watch. We'll be back probably Thursday with a re-up. Of course, after the Thrones next Sunday, it's our final one. Supersize. Jason Concepcion's coming out. Mallory, me, Andy. 
Uh, thank you so much to everybody who has watched it this season, by the way. It's been uh, very fun to do. And it's been very fun to do it with Mal. Oh, it's been great, Christopher. Burn All right, it guys. down, sirs. Thanks Burn so much. Thanks to Black Tux, the problem with wearing a rental tuxedo is that it looks like a rental tuxedo, and everybody knows it. The Black Tux is changing that by offering quality crafted Italian wool suits and tuxedos for rent online. Select from complete looks or build your own starting at just $95. To get started, visit theblacktux.com slash bspn and experience a new way to rent. Theblacktux.com slash bspn. Let's also shout out Roan. Roan makes stylish activewear from innovative and custom fabrics built specifically for men. They use innovative fabrics such as Silvertech, which involves melting down pure silver, believe it, and weaving it into yarn. God. Silver is both antimicrobial and anti-stink, so your gym clothes will no longer smell. GQ Magazine and their article, The Truth About Anti-Stink Gym Wear, ranked Roan's products number one, beating out premium competitors such as Lululemon. And the New York Post dubbed it Activewear Fit for Superman. I love the Tao three-quarter zip-up hoodie. All the dudes be like, where did you get it? And I say, Roan! To check out the brand new collections, visit roan.com slash BSPN. That's R-H-O-N-E dot com. Right now, they are offering the watch listeners an inside deal. For 15% off your first order with the promo code BSPN on roan.com slash BSPN. Once again, that's R-H-O-N-E dot com and the code BSPN. Made for men, fit for kings.